Hey, welcome to Genre Exposure, a film podcast. Join us as we explore the wide world of cinema, broadening our horizons one movie at a time. I'm one of your hosts, Dustin, and as usual, I'm here with Michael. Hey, guys. And Jason. Hey, everybody. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing good. I accidentally sighed during your <laughs> I did, too. Yeah, you totally surprised us on that one. <laughs> we both just like, oh, life. I, I didn't know you were ready. <laughs> I wanted to pause, and then I was like, no, I'll just, if I finish it, we can just mute that out later. <laughs> That Jason and I just are full of ennui about the entire day. Uh, so I guess you're not doing good then. No, oh, we're doing good. It's just tiring time, it, man. It, it's your normal ennui. It's your standard, you know, everyday sort of. I think we're probably about the same as everybody in the world right now. Pandemic's raging again, again, again. Yeah. People are people are stupid, so we can't do what we want to do, and yeah. But we can watch movies and we talk can. about we them. We can watch a shit yes. ton of movies. That is always our solace. And it is still our most holiest of season for horror fans. Yes. October. It's Halloween it's month. Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, there's some great Christmas movies. There are. There are, yes. But that's later. That's a couple months later. Yeah. We'll yeah. get there. Um, so this is our second and our string of episodes where we're just going to focus hard on horror films, celebrate October, celebrate Halloween. We already do a lot of horror films anyways, but who cares? We love them. I don't know if I really picked a horror film. I mean, it falls in the horror genre. Mm. I think it could be argued that the previous one wasn't really a horror <laughs> film either. But if you were at the video store, both of these movies would be in the horror section. Yeah, they, for they sure. They would not be in comedy. For sure. Yeah. So what are we talking about today? We're going to be talking about 1986 Terror Vision, directed by a dude I can't pronounce his last name. Uh, Ted Nicolau. 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 Yes. <laughs> so... Ted Nicolau. I mean, I don't even know why you guys let me talk because when we were watching this goddamn movie, I couldn't even pronounce the name of the band that does the. <laughs> does how did, the how did you say it? Fibonacus. Fibonacus. <laughs> Fibonacus. We'll get to them a little bit. You guys, later. Oh, the Fibonacus. Isn't that Fibonacci? <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm wow. kind of a. I'm, I'm the special one of the podcast. But well, we got we got things to get to. It seems like we, we definitely need to warm up first. So let's before we get into this movie, let's talk about what we've been watching recently. Yeah, uh, what have we been watching? Uh, what have you been watching, Michael? I actually took a little bit of a break from heavy stuff. I usually watch a lot of heavy stuff during the week. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like anything that's kind of depressing, I watch during the week. So I'm not like dragging down my weekend with the the heavy stuff. But I took a little break on it, and I just watched something to make myself happy. And we kind of have touched on this a little bit that, like, I think we did it on our Elevated Horror episode that sometimes it's okay just to watch a movie, just to watch a movie. Oh, yeah. You know, just to, something to make you feel good. Yeah. So I had not watched this yet, but I watched um, Raya, The Last Dragon. Oh, okay. How was it? I dug it a lot, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's kind of the exact same premise as most modern Disney movies, but um, it had some really cool stuff. I, it Kelly Mary Tran. Mm-hmm. Voiced Rhea, which I'm super happy to see her working. Yeah, after, she's great. I like her a lot. After people decided that for some reason after the last she didn't Jedi, belong in Star Wars. Yeah, for some and reason. they blamed her for Last Jedi, and I'm like, she's just an actress, guys. Like, you're gonna blame man. someone? Blame the writers? Yeah, chill the fuck out. Like, she's super nice, super cool. I think she's a good actress. I really do. I got it. real quick. Sorry, I, I have to say this. F- fuck Rise of Skywalker. Just fuck that movie. <laughs> well, they left her out of that completely. So, oh, they yeah. literally patted her on the arm and said, "No, you stay here. You don't belong in this." So, therefore, oh. I was really glad to see Kelly Marie Tran working like as a star of something. Yes. Granted, she wasn't on screen in person, but she did the voice. Um, also, voice work is even more impressive. Yeah, oh, yeah. you have to convey all of that with no no movement, no anything. Right. And she was great. Like. 
Raya, I think, is one of the most badass, um, like openly badass Disney quote princesses that's been. Like she, she can fight. Like she kind of kicks ass all the time. Mm. Um, I kind of, I really like Aquafina as well. I think she's pretty funny. Yeah, she's great. So she played the dragon in this mm-hmm. one. Um, some kind of fun things. I really enjoyed it. It's very lighthearted. Um, the the monsters, the bad guys, are super cool. They're animated really well. Um, they're called like the Drood or something. Not the Droogs, right? Not the, not the Droogs. <laughs> That's the, a different movie. The Drood. They're kind of like a ball, like a smoke filled ball of energy and light and stuff. And as they come out, like as they sweep across people, they turn them to stone. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, you know, it was animated really cool. But some fun stuff about this movie that makes it a little different and why it appealed to me. They actually used um, motion cap fights. For this. Right. Oh, interesting. Um, so they actually had real martial artists choreographing the fight, doing mocap for it, so that it looked real, and holy shit, it did. Yeah. Like, um, there's a scene where Namari, she's like the head of the Fang um, village or whatever, her and Rhea fight, and it's very obvious. Like, Rhea straight up stands in, like, Penchak Salat stance which is what the raid uses mm-hmm. and like she's using all these moves and uh namari comes in with a flying elbow and i'm like holy shit they went full-on <laughs> muay thai like nice. it looks really really good it's cool i yeah. do want to ask because i hadn't looked a ton into this film so is it based on a particular culture or no is it kind I, of I, just a fantasy i had to look that up because they um disney said they wanted to base it on multiple southeast asian cultures so mm-hmm. it has like a ton of indonesian influence like a lot of thailand um kind of blended into um, a fantasy realm. That's cool. But it still very much feels um, like it respects all of those cultures and like brings in a whole bunch mm-hmm. of parts of them. So Nice. Uh, not to leave out the Filipino stuff, too, because mm-hmm. they're, they're definitely involved in, in that culture. But I had a ton of fun with it. It's streaming on Disney+. Plus. Looked amazing in 4K. Cool. I mean, looked mm-hmm. really, really good. Nice. Benny Wong has, does a voice in it. No. Benedict Wong. Yeah. Um, there's just a lot of fun, a lot of fun stuff going on in it. Nice. So that was mine. Yeah, lighthearted. People are like, well, great. <laughs> Tuning into a horror <laughs> podcast. Let's uh, do a dude talk about podcast. Disney. <laughs> this is not a, a strictly horror podcast. Let's do a dude Con- talk about Disney. Popular beliefs, this is not a horror podcast. <laughs> if it's not, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's next? I'll go next. Yeah. I watched um, The Last Matinee. Oh, sweet. Oh. I was afraid yes. you were going to talk about uh, that Prey movie. <laughs> I, I'm not going to talk about the Prey. I'm done talking about subpar slasher films. Oh, I was like, <laughs> for a while, like, until next time. Great. He ran it about it Friday night. He'll rant about it again. No, 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 no. This is the new movie from the director, Maximiliano Contenti. It is, I think it's from Uruguay? Uruguay? I can't say Uruguay. What's the <laughs> denonym for Uruguay? Uruguayan? Uruguayan? Yeah. Hmm, okay. That's what it is. Sounds okay. Good. I think you made that more complicated than it was. I think I was I like, uh... I'm overthinking this. <laughs> anyway, um, it's a good movie. Short. Um, As we all know, that's, the short that's of it. your. Um, no, no, that's the short of it. That's it's, your it's, selling It's a standard point. length of 90 minutes, which, yes, is the perfect sure. length for a film. Doesn't overstay its welcome. Right, for a horror film, especially. Um, it's shot well. You know, it's pretty. It's got that whole kind of giallo color thing going for it. Is it a giallo? No, it is not a giallo. <laughs> it is not a giallo. It's not really a mystery, murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this unseen killer, but it's never like. It's not like a whodunit. 
Yeah. You know, there's not like a list of suspects or anything like that. Franco Nero's not in it, probably. So. <laughs> right, right. Um, there's some decent... I, it was kind of sold as being really gory. It isn't. If you're a gory hound, you're going to be disappointed. There's a couple of nice kills, but it's not... It's nothing special in that department. Where is it streaming at? Uh, I rented it on Amazon Prime. Rented? Yes. So you paid for so it. So Michael's I out. I did pay for it. Michael's out. He's never going to watch this. It'll be a while. Until it's on Shutter. he's not going to watch it. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's a fun time. I recommend checking it out. It's nice to see you know some more South American type you know, horror films out there. Cool. For some reason, I thought that one was Italian. That's interesting. That it's it not. looks Italian. It really does. It definitely wears its influences it's, it's on its sleeve. It's set in a really cool old theater. Like you can tell, it's not a set. Mm-hmm. If it is a set, wow, that's a great set. But it looks like an old theater. Nice, it's pretty neat. That one did get a lot of hype, though. A lot of people. It, it's a, a little overhyped. Yeah, adjust your expectations. Bring them down a little bit. I know that there was um, a lot of articles doing like oh, top ten ocular kills in films <laughs> because they straight up spoiled an eyeball kill. In yeah. the trailer. Which that's another Italian trademark. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Especially in your Fulci films. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of, you know, I feel like so many movies right now are, they keep really pumping full of like the throwback to classic gore, and then you see them and they're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not talking like hostile level gore where it's gore porn, but. Wouldn't it be weird when we go long enough that torture porn comes back around again? I hope it doesn't. I was not. A, I really wasn't a fan of that. That there's craze. some good examples of the genre, though. There's some good movies out there. There are, but I just I don't know. There were some times where I felt like they were just pushing to push. Yeah, you yeah. know, and the I think the ones that truly pushed the boundaries were the ones that were like, well, this is what would fit the story, mm-hmm. so this is what we're gonna do, and it turned out to like if you look at something like Cannibal Holocaust, like mm-hmm. that pushed boundaries because. They were like, this fits the story, so this is how we're going to kill this person. Instead of sometimes like Hostile 2, you're like, okay, well, they're just playing around, sitting in a room. Like, well, what what instruments can we use to kill somebody? And that's oh, just... no, I kind of like Hostile 2. They, like they flip that script on the, the setup. It's fine for me. It's just... I, and I see what it's doing. Mm-hmm. I see what, I see the... Like, I'm not blind to the, the message mm-hmm. that it's putting out there. I'm not at all, but... I don't know. Don't go to Eastern Europe. Is that the message? <laughs> that is. Don't stay in a fucking hostel. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, how about you, Dustin? What okay, well, I've been kind of burned out on films for a little bit, so I've been recharging my batteries. Mm-hmm. I've been watching some anime, so I'm going to talk about an anime today. An anime movie? No, a series. Breaking but the rules there are again. a lot of film connections to it. Okay. So I've been revisiting Paranoia Agent, which is a series directed by Satoshi Kon. You're going to know him for stuff like Perfect Blue or Ooh. Paprika, which yeah. are both movies. Perfect Blue is great. Uh, he sadly passed away mm-hmm. um, way too early than he should have. Uh, he's like a genius as far as anime and stories and concepts. And he's super influential because if you look at Perfect Blue, you see that crop up in like Requiem for a Dream, Black Swan. Uh, Paprika was a big influence on Inception. Hmm. Like all his stuff, the West really kind of draws from the things he does and pulls from them. But Paranoia Agent is kind of this, like, psychological thriller. Uh, It follows this... Well, it's like an ensemble. It follows several characters and kind of interweaves between their lives. And at the core of it, there is this, like, serial assaulter called Little Slugger. And it's like an elementary school kid that rolls around on inline skates with a bat and will just kind of rush up on people and beat the crap out of them. Cool. 
And so each episode, you're kind of cool? following. <laughs> the fuck is wrong with you? That's cool. It's a, it's a cool idea. You know, for each a episode, you're like following kind of one character, and they have some sort of drama or like weird psychological issue. And over the course of their story, they will connect to the other characters and also this little slugger character and become their victim. And kind of your through line is two detectives that are trying to crack the case. <laughs> crack which, the case. Yeah. Right. Which at first, it seems very straightforward. And then it starts to get into this weird things where it's like, is he a real person? Is he a figment of someone's imagination mm. that's been manifested? Are there copycats? And it really just goes out and gets very trippy and surreal. Interesting. Is it like a limited series? Yeah, it's only about 12 episodes, okay. so it's a pretty quick watch. How'd cool. you see it? Uh, I own the Blu-ray. Yeah, so. uh, there we go. Uh, Just wanted to make sure shot. everyone could take a Close. shot. Um, I think right. Funimation has the license right now, so it should be on their streaming service. Okay, cool. I know they've got a free trial. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> oh, I'm the cheapest son of a bitch that's ever existed. Uh, but it's super fun, and if you've ever seen any of his other movies, it's a good series to check out. Cool. I'm always looking for new anime that I might like, so I'm excited for that one. Awesome. Pretty good. Well, I hope we're more uh, prepared now. Get down to business. All right. 1986, my pick. The year I was born. Oh, God. Uh, Yeah. Um, Right off the top, what genre is this? So, Wikipedia lists it as sci-fi horror comedy. I'd say that's pretty spot Pretty on. succinct, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's easy to say, like, it's horror comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know what's funny is it gave me a very Blood Diner vibe. And when you go on IMDb, they'll kind of show, like, recommended movies. As yeah. Like, oh, if you like this, you might like this. And Blood Diner was one of the first ones. <laughs> I kind of think that might have been what spurred me to want to watch it again. Because yeah. I just... This genre is one of my absolute favorites. I, I don't like... I mean, I love serious films. Oh, yeah. But sometimes I just want something that doesn't take itself seriously. It knows exactly what it is that I can just like sit, have a couple drinks to laugh and just, you know, have fun with a movie. Right. So, Terrorvisions from 1986, directed by Ted Nicolau, also written by Ted Nicolau. Mm -hmm. Um, So, produced by Charles Band. Yes, I was figured that would come in pretty (laughs) soon. Um, Which we should say him, uh, Nicolau. Both of them are just huge titans of Full Moon when that got created. And do you want to give a little background on Full Moon for anybody who might not be as... Yeah, so um, they were founded in 1989, and they kind of got born out of Empire Pictures, which is where TerraVision was made. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the whole history of Empire Pictures. I really should, but it was a little bit before my time of caring about things. But Full Moon was kind of just that crew carrying on... And they really focused on like the direct-to-video market, mm-hmm. which was blowing up at the time. And they realized that like they could do these horror films, and these low-budget like sci-fi, horror, comedy, anything, uh, put them direct-to-video, and easily make just as much profit and return than trying to like wedge into the theater system. They remind me kind of like a um, a more serious trauma. Yeah, I could see that. Like trauma is just bad shit, and I, I don't think Full Moon ever intended to be Lloyd Kaufman level. <laughs> no. Of batshit. Yeah. Um, Charles Band is kind of like Roger Corman meets, yeah, trauma, Lloyd Kaufman. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Band seems to me from interviews like um, less of a, a dick Roger Corman. <laughs> hey, you lay off Roger Corman. He's I like Roger dick. Corman, but Roger Corman is known for just being like, suck it up. We don't have any fucking money. You're going to do it or you can do something else. So 
it's just how he's known for working. And but uh, they're still cracking today. They actually have their own streaming platform, which is interesting. I'm surprisingly not subscribed to it. I probably ought to. That is weird. <laughs> you probably already have everything on blue anyway. Likely, so. yeah. But uh, some of their big things, Puppet Master, which Band created. Uh, Ted Nicolau actually made the Subspecies series, which is this awesome line of vampire films that they put out. I saw the first one. I never saw the sequels for some They're reason. They're all great. And I think he's actually working on a new one with them now, like the fifth one for the series. Wow. Interesting. And then notably, the score on this one is done by Richard Band, who also made the like title track for Puppet Master. Mm-hmm. And he worked on a lot of other Full Moon films doing the music. So he wasn't the first choice. Really? Um, for this, there was um, there's a great um, little small documentary on. We watched this on the um, Shout Factory Blu-ray re-release, and it's a two-pack, right, with something else. Yeah, it comes with Terra uh, TerraVision and Video Dead. Nice. Um, it's it was the like when I got it, it was ten bucks, and you like that's a stupid cheap price. Yeah, I think there it's was like fifteen right now. And there's no reason awesome to not deal. own this if you love this kind of stuff. Video Dead's worth watching too. Um, but no, they originally had approached like a lot of bigger names. Mm-hmm. To do this, they also wanted some. Oh, um, Lux Interior was oh. one of the ones that was approached because Ted Nicolau was listening to a lot of the cramps at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, he actually l- watched the film and was like, I just don't have time, man. Like, <laughs> I'd do this for you, but I just don't have time. Mm-hmm. And so, really, it came down to like who was available. Mm-hmm. You tried so, to get Frank Zappa too at one yeah, point. Zappa, yeah, Zappa actually wanted to do it, but couldn't. That would be crazy. They just couldn't work it in. And he even talks about like, um, can you imagine what this movie would have been <laughs> like if Zappa did the did the score to it? So Richard Band was there. Mm-hmm. You know, um Ted Nicola did interestingly say that he felt like um Band's score made it a little more goofy than he intended it. And I think you see that in a lot of his uh compositions. There's always sort of like a playful Yeah almost like fun element to them. I really like the score to this movie. I thought it was cool. I think it fits. It's mm. not really memorable. No. It doesn't like, you know, invade and stick in your head, but I mean, it fits the film really well. Yeah. Because it is kind of goofy and lighthearted and And so it's kind of to me that's kind of like um Oh, we never really talk that much about how score impacts a film. Sometimes we do. It just depends. You're wrong. We don't. No. No, I, <laughs> I just forgot it all. <laughs> wow. But no, it's interesting in this to think of like what this movie could have been with different people attached to mm-hmm. the score. So I'm I'm glad Richard Band got it. I think it works. Sure. And yeah. it Some other the... fun things on Nicolau. Um, he did a film for Full Moon called Bad Channels, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen that one. Really, it's one I haven't seen because the music on it is one of my favorite bands. It's, it's got a great soundtrack. Yeah, Blue Oyster Cult. But it's almost, it feels very similar to this movie, except it's that these aliens beam down to a radio station and try to abduct people and mess with them. And it has a whole music motif and music references and music and the way music impacts us, which is in this movie a little bit. But then this movie has much more to do with like television. Mm -hmm. That sounds like maybe a future genre exposure. It's an interesting little like sub connection. And then just to throw in for fun, because I do love Puppet Master, (laughs) Nicolau directed the Wayward Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys TV movie for the Sci Fi Channel. Ooh. And it's the only Puppet Master anything that's ever been made non canon. Oh, wow. <laughs> I really enjoyed Nicola's interviews in this. He just seems like he's so down to he's earth. He's a cool guy. He's a fun guy. He just seems like he knows exactly what he's doing, and he's not trying to do anything it, else. It's a shame he didn't get to do more. I mean, he started, he did sound on Texas Chainsaw Massacre. 
I mean, wow. Great start. And edited a tourist trap. Have you guys ever seen I tourist love trap? Tourist so that's trap. where they met. Um, that's where Band and Nicolau yeah. met, is that he edited Tourist Trap. It's really underrated. It's a great movie. I thought it was really cool, too. Yeah. Um, when the mannequins come to life and just like yeah. hurl through the air at people, it's, so it's like, oh, fuck. Yeah, it's weird. So we will definitely have this on uh, all of our social platforms so you can see the poster for this mm. film because I, I fucking love the poster. Awesome. Yeah. It's just classic pulp 80s. Um, and the poster was created before the movie. <laughs> old-fashioned, good old Roger Corman type way. Yeah. Um, and so Band had these group of posters that he'd had designed or designed and basically it was like, take a look at these what can you do with it mm-hmm. you know like what kind of movie could you make of it and they saw terror vision and was like oh we could do this yeah and the poster Classic. it's like a satellite dish with a monster eye coming out of it and like tentacles right coming very out, so. very 50s sci-fi yeah. kind of a thing um which basically the poster tells the story mm-hmm. which what is the general synopsis so we have i'm gonna you do you probably have like the planet names well, I gotta say something real quick okay. though, because the band they did go with for the theme song, the Fibonacci's. I love this theme song. Fibonacci's, thank you. Fibonacci's. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's a great theme song. It really is fun. It's, it's on Halloween playlist every year. It's if you so don't have fun. it on yours, it needs to be on there. It's a yeah. weirder B52s. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like Oingo Boingo and the B52s and the Cramps, all kind of in a blender. Yeah. So it's the planet Pluton. Pluton, yes. Pluton. Um, they have like a kind of a solid waste creature <laughs> that um, they flush out essentially uh, into space. But because of the new satellite dish um, that an American family, a Los Angeles American family, the Puttermans, the Puttermans have just purchased, um, it goes awry and the uh, particle matter, I guess, mm-hmm. of the um yeah their disposal process seems to be that they break it down into like radio waves and then just blast it out seemingly into the depths of the universe to just go forever and well that didn't happen gone. here and it ended up yeah, um, it, uh, it ping pongs off of planets <laughs> yeah ends up going into the new um, satellite dish the do-it-yourself model which he was advised not to get the do-it-yourself model um but then it shows up um uh, the creature comes through the tv now Sure, and um, sure. starts to terrorize the family. It's it's a and what a great family! I think we need to talk about this family. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the patriarch is Garrett Graham, who plays Stan Beef. Beef. He's fucking from awesome. Phantom of the Paradise. <laughs> if you haven't seen Phantom of the Paradise, check it out. It's so good. So good. I still haven't seen that one. Oh man, we have to do that yeah, as an episode one yeah. day. Yeah, because you all know my love for musicals. He, he plays a shock rocker named Beef. I I need to see it. <laughs> you guys showed me the trailer once, and I was like, why haven't I seen this? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's so good. Um, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, he's also on Child's Play, too. That probably makes you happy, right, Dustin? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> You've got uh, the, the mom is Raquel, played by Mary Warrenov. The great Mary Warrenov. <laughs> Roger Corman, um, she, alum there. She is a cult goddess. She's one of my favorites. She's great. Uh, yeah, they wanted to tap her for Medusa. Yeah. But she was like, I want to play the mom. And we should note that um, these two, this couple is a swinging couple. Yeah, there's some interesting dynamics with this family, I think, which you get into. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll just throw it out there first that they're swingers, um, but they do have two children mm-hmm. at home. They have a daughter. Uh, Susie, played by Diane Franklin. The great Diane Franklin. Diane Franklin is also amazing. Fantastic in this. Absolutely awesome. She's always great. She was in Amityville Horror 2. I think that was her first horror film. 
Electric Boogaloo is the official. Um, <laughs> Better off dead. Great, great comedy from the eighties. Um, um, most importantly, Bill and Ted's. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Um, and I love the, her character Susie in this one. Like the crazy eighties hair. She is just every eighties trope. Like Cindy Lauper on crack. Yes. Like, yeah. like just amped up to be more eighties than the, the most eighties you've ever seen. A picture of Cindy Lauper. Like amp that up times ten. And and that is her character here. And then we've got what uh, Sherman, the little boy. Uh, Sherman is pretty much just a normal kid. Uh, he's the one who has like no real issues. Played by uh, Chad well, Allen. I don't know about that. So there's multiple mentions of him being on medication of some sort. I, I don't yeah. think that's his fault. I think that's literally just well, him being a kid, and the parents are like. And that's part of the clever commentary of this movie on 80s culture. Oh yeah, right. Over medicated children. We'll get into that yeah. still now. For fuck's sake. <laughs> and then, uh, good old grandpa. Played by Burt Remsen. So something really crazy is um, Burt Remsen was not the original pick for this. Multiple people read for this. Fucking Donald O'Connor read for this <laughs> from Singing in the Rain, wow. which we talked about. That's one of my favorite musicals. And I just can't picture <laughs> Donald <laughs> O'Connor in this movie at all. Like... Ha- and and the fact that he read for it, and they're like, "No, we don't want Donald O'Connor. We don't want classic, uh, classic Hollywood in this." Uh, you know, <laughs> Grandpa's a very nuanced role. But they said basically <laughs> when he came in and read for it, they were like, "Holy shit, this is the guy! Like this dude just this kills yeah, it." Yeah, he's obviously what World War Two vet, mm-hmm. conspiracy nut, yeah, military nut. He's out sh- shucking his uh, lizard tail rations, yeah, yeah, to people. <laughs> He's apparently based off of a guy who was a um, actual street person. Yeah, like a Times Square personality. Yeah, right? but but yeah. in L.A. and yeah. it, it was like the Hershey Bar Man or something. Yeah, General Hershey. Or I love what he says the one part where he's like, "Oh, I hate downtown. It's going to crap. Used to be you could just <laughs> walk up everywhere. and have talk, have conversations with people. But now you can't give out your literature or anything." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's like he is the crazy person. You yeah. just don't realize it. He's got the hat that they have made for him is fantastic. It's just got all these like toy planes right. attached to a military right. like aviation hat, and he's on the survival and all that good stuff. And Sherman's following his role. Yeah, yeah. he's dressed him. in fatigues, and right? Uh, but I really like the, um, I really like the relationship between Sherman and the grandfather. Yeah, it's very, they're very close. Yeah, I think, so maybe the stuff that Grandpa's pushing isn't the best things to push. Yeah, he does have some Confederate flags on his bunker. Yeah, 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 there's that. Um, But, you know, like the paranoia and stuff's probably not the best thing to push on on the kid or whatever. But but, but, notably, uh, the parents kind of ignore them. Yeah, they do. And so this kid is mostly raised by his grandpa. They got things to do. The kid's mostly raised by his grandpa, essentially. Like, his grandpa's always watching him. Um, well, the sister seems pretty protective too. She does, yeah, yeah. But it, I kind of like that. I really like that relationship. I thought it was a really sweet relationship between Sherman and his grandpa. It is, it is like heartwarming when they just kind of sit down early on and kind of watch TV together. Yeah, and he's like, "Oh, isn't this a good one?" That hit me really hard because yeah. that's what I did with my grandfather. Like I mm-hmm. sat and like until I was too big. I used to sit in his lap on his recliner, like when I was little, and then when I got too big. I graduated to the armchair of the recliner, and then like I broke the recliner because I was too big, and so he's like, "You got to go to the couch, buddy." Like, <laughs> I love you, and I'm happy you're here with me, but you got to sit on the Plus couch. Plus, you're 18 now. now yeah. and you're really <laughs> no, I just have so many fond memories yeah. of sitting watching war movies with my grandfather, or watching you know countless reruns of Walker Texas Ranger, just because it was on. <laughs> cool. Very cool. So I kind of I related to that. My yeah. grandfather was nowhere near 
It's crazy. It's, <laughs> he's pretty crazy. He's, he was a good fellow. Yeah. So, but you know, it wasn't really. I don't think he ate hole. lizard tails, as far as I know. <laughs> Probably a lot of frog legs. <laughs> hey, you know. Country people, but sure. uh, uh, but yeah. So they wire up this satellite. Something kind of goes awry, which is that beam of yeah. of alien infusing itself in there. Um, but then it starts working. Starts working. Everything's going well. <laughs> It oh. picks up porn really well. Yeah. Um, when yeah, the whole family's in there, and then it's porn, and they're, you know, the... Channel 69. Yeah, Channel 69. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Diana Franklin's covering the kids' eyes, because the parents don't care. And with a joke like that, that's one of the things we should say, is this movie's, like, very cheesy, very corny in a lot of its humor, but it never, like, tries to force it in a way where, like, it's it's so funny, even though it is, like, very cheesy. Well, this is camp done right. Yeah. This is this is what camp should be. They basically take every character and just turn it up, mm-hmm. like, to cartoon level. Yeah. You know, and it's not like when we watch a... a this is one where the people talk about, like, it's so bad, it's good. I don't believe that. It's I, not bad. No, not I bad think this all. movie was entirely made for what it was intended to be. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it was just like, let's spoof everything we love. Yeah. And just... Turn everything up, though. Yeah. This, um, this was made in the mid-80s. They are very aware of what they're doing. It's a, yeah. such a social comment on the 80s. And I, one of the... I, there's two other characters we haven't got to. Um, and when I say two, one of them is because I view the house as a character itself. <laughs> sure. Yeah, um, great production design on this one. And they said they actually visited a lot of like houses and mansions of real swingers yeah. to get a feel for like how are these laid out, how are these decorated... And so they built this set. It was because they shot this in Italy. Wow. Um, it was shot in Rome. Um, but oh, they, do you know who the DP was while we're talking about that? Um, it was somebody who used to shoot for... Uh, Romano Albani. Didn't he used to shoot for like... He shot Inferno and Phenomena. Oh, in- yeah, interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, the, and they Ted Nicola talked about how amazing of a DP he was. Just that he respected, like he, he knew what they were doing. Well, yeah. He was very... Like open, he was like, "I don't care. We're making this movie." And he said the entire crew was so had so much respect for the director and mm-hmm. their vision that it didn't matter what it was. Like they're there to do a job, and so he's like, "They're giving their absolute best." And he's like, "Honestly, American crews would have like given me sass or like <laughs> really made this a difficult production." Mm-hmm. But he said, "No, this Italian crew was just half of them didn't speak English." So he's like, they just did whatever I asked of them, and I really got to make the movie I wanted to make. The Italians also get weird, you know. <laughs> yeah, so they, they understand the movie he's making. It's like, oh yeah, this yeah we've seen this. This was shot on the old um, uh, Dino De Laurento soundstage. Yeah, that he apparently gutted before he left. <laughs> well, I think that was also because the reason he left. Because wasn't he like? I think they. I think I heard some story where he like took the plumbing and the wiring with him. Yeah, that is true. Because it's he was like. Uh, notoriously cheap. Yeah, that is true. Um, <laughs> so the, there was no air conditioning in in this set at all. So they said it was basically Rome, which gets really fucking hot mm-hmm. in August. Um, there's no air conditioning, no real plumbing <laughs> or anything. Um, but this was a trial run on this um, set, mm-hmm. basically to try to see if they could salvage the set. So beautiful set built of this crazy-ass 1980s, like swinger mansion yeah like there's borderline pornographic paintings on the walls Not borderline dude just they like weren't pornographic on. they were nudes and stuff <laughs> oh there's some but bondage it, going on yeah there's some bdsm going yeah, on a couple of them there's like a statue with water coming out the nipples and... yeah so the kid who played sherman apparently his parents came on set and they were like oh um <laughs> what 
kind of movie is this? So they just politely asked, and I noticed, I didn't realize this till I heard this, and they politely asked, could you not frame Sherman with those pictures directly behind him? <laughs> Yeah, they were cool about it. They were like, "Okay," but and the actor who played Sherman was like, "I didn't really know what was going on, man." He's like, "I'm running around there in army fatigues and an M16 machine gun. I'm not paying attention to the titties <laughs> on the wall or anything." <laughs> That's great. Uh, yeah, so this wonderful house that at every turn is this weird '80s just thing. Yeah, and Stan loves it. He, he's like, "Oh, it's my pleasure dome, my yeah, pleasure palace." It's my pleasure palace yeah. <laughs> Um, so we do finally get introduced to the final character of the film. Um, well, well, there's several, a others. couple others, but like the Major one that characters. spends the most time with us, um, which is Susie's boyfriend, Od. Od. Um, Jonathan Grease. He's Grice. great in this. Grease, I think. Yeah, I think that's how they pronounced it. In the I think most people would know him as Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite. Oh shit! Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit! I did not know that was him. <laughs> yep. God damn. He's great in this. He's he was great. fantastic. He goes all out. Um, He's a heavy metal loving, stud wearing, leather clad, long haired stud. Yeah, stud. Just turn. He turned everything up to 11. Yeah. As far as like what he's doing and his emoting and everything. He's constantly air guitaring. And all what the I time. love about that is even if he's in the background and not even like important in the scene, he's still air guitaring. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's so committed to it. He even said, he was like, man, I'm having so much fun with this. But if this doesn't work, I'm just an idiot. <laughs> and he kept being encouraged. They're like, no, no, no. This is. This is a cartoon film. Right. This is a cartoon yeah, film. He, just he, fucking do it. Just turn it up. He's a caricature of what everyone thought a headbanger was at the time. And this is before Bill and Ted, you know. I mean, they're and, not. And that whole Valley, you know, dude speak type stuff. They're kind of not wrong, though. I mean, like. No. I've, I've met. But, oh, but then you have to ask yourself. Are the headbangers now that look like OD only a caricature of what? Character of a caricature. Character of a caricature. <laughs> yeah. A copy it's like, of a copy of a copy. Yeah. Yeah. To a degree, yeah. I mean, it's a calculated look. Because you know? he's wearing a very obvious wig in this that's, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, just like a got some braids and bad haircut, very heavy metal 80s rocker. And they got some good theme synergy going on. He's wearing a Wasp t-shirt, and earlier in the movie when they're kind of flipping channels, they stop on MTV yeah. and they're playing uh, Tormentor. Yeah. Wasp yeah, there's Blackie Lawless right there on the screen. Yeah. And he <laughs> asked the kid, says, hey little dude, are you in the metal? Kiss the boot. Yeah. And he puts his combat boot up to the kid. And I was looking up Mary Warrenoff stuff, and this has to be a reference. And this is how cool Mary Warrenoff is. She was in a 1966 Andy Warhol film called Kiss the Boot. Mm. Interesting. So that had to be a little reference to that. That wouldn't surprise me at all, because Nicolau seemed to be very aware oh, yeah. of every single... I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm just amazed, though, at everyone's willingness to do this movie like if you were to look at this now people would shit all over this and i'm sure there will be a lot of people so people did shit on it because this yep, currently no. has a zero percent on rotten tomatoes yep and what the, yep uh zero percent out of nine reviews and the average user rating is 3.3 out of 10 what the fuck this it was, is it was a critical bomb on every level even when it aired in theaters well that i get it was actually pulled after four days of screening I, it, to me, this is one of those movies you get it or you don't. There's no in between for this. Uh, there are, and I was discussing this with my wife after we were watching it. One of the reviews I read said this is in no way scary, and I'm like, Duh. it's not supposed to be. <laughs> I told you it was. And uh, 
I'm so tired of that. I'm so tired. I'll get on a soapbox and say I'm so tired of people judging a movie by saying it's not horror because it's not scary. It's a very reductive way to judge a horror film. Scary is so subjective. Like, if you want to say this movie had no jump scares in it, therefore I didn't find it scary. Okay, well, maybe you should re-evaluate how you're judging a film. This very much is trying to say something. It's very satirical. Mm -hmm. And it's just playing on horror and sci-fi tropes. But easily falls within that genre. Because where else are you going to put it? Oh, sure. And technically, we'll get to it in a little bit. But the ending's pretty bleak in the scheme of things. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so Odie shows up. Um, Odie actually, what one of my favorite things is how he almost code switches for the parents. Right. Um, <laughs> hey, Mister Putterman. Yeah, he goes into like very polite, mm-hmm. you know, handshaking. And, dude. and Mary Warnov's into him. You know, she's yeah. like looking him up and down. <laughs> and, uh, she wasn't at first. No, she's looking at him like a grunge head at first. Yeah. But then, but once he's kind of polite, she's yeah, like, she's like, okay, yeah, yeah. He says something about how she has a nice outfit on. She's in her yeah. aerobics outfit. And yeah, I think that's when she's like, oh, okay. Yeah. She's a swinger. She knows what's up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, the parents have plans. They got to go out because they're going to swing. If everyone has plans, the parents are going to go out with a couple. Which I love how they just tell the kids this. You know, we're swinging tonight. <laughs> uh, Susie and Od are going to go on a date, and it's kind of just Grandpa and Sherman yeah. left to enjoy TV and. Spend the evening together. Yeah. And they come across a strange channel while doing so. I, well, they come across a good channel, though, too. Oh, Medusa. Medusa, yeah. Yeah, yeah the horror Which hostess. This is another like loving tribute to yeah. the thing of the 80s. Yeah. Medusa is a wonderful cross between like Vampira and Elvira. Mm-hmm. You know, and Medusa. And Medusa. <laughs> and a Gorgon. <laughs> Played by Jennifer Richards. Yeah, she's great. Um there wasn't a whole lot that was said in the documentary about her other than basically she just had the assets for the part and that she was... Um, what did Grandpa say? What Look was... at those hooters! <laughs> <laughs> oh, that line absolutely got me. I was just dying. I do like her character, though, because her, her horror host persona is like very sultry and alluring. But then when she's off air, she's just like very sassy, very like yeah, yeah. Cuts to the point. I'm not. She had that kind of New York yeah, vibe yeah to kind her. of tough New York. Yeah, give me a brew, her. give me a smoke. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, she's she's but, not taking any shit, and she's really our um, contact to the outside world mm-hmm. for for this film because everything takes place within this one set piece. Yep. Um, but she's like our our view to the outside. The only way that Sherman can really get help. Essentially, because um, he tries to call the police. But, but well, why does he try to call the police? What happens? Well, <laughs> um, that is when. What's the official name for the monster? I don't know if it has a name. It's just a creature monster thing. Oh my gosh! So when this thing finally Cause, shows cause up, because the alien that's trying to stop it's called Pluthar. Yeah, Pluthar is very genuine, um, just like sanitation worker. <laughs> yeah. And he cuts it's, into it's, the feed. It's known as the Hungry Beast. Hungry Beast, yes. Hungry I knew I had heard them refer to it as something. Yeah. And he cuts into the feed a few times, and he's trying to like talk to them and be like, you're in danger, destroy your yeah. satellites, destroy your TV. And the sound's muted, they can't even hear him. But when you finally hear what he says, the notable thing I I noticed was like, he says destroy like all TVs, all satellites for 200 years. Yeah. 
Yeah. And it's like, no one's going to do that, though. I wouldn't do it for 200 <laughs> minutes. What are you talking about? I'll take my chances with the Hungry Bees. It's the 80s, man. I need my MTV, all right? But the Hungry Bees turns out to really not be that bad of a thing. It's just a creature that's not necessarily yes. its own fault. But he manifests through the television. He has yes. the ability to come in and out of the television. And it's this great practical monster. That's oh, yeah. Huge. Big gloppy. Yeah, very goopy. Looks like uh, maybe a dog that was in... Seth Brundle's teleporter pod yeah. or something, and there was an accident. Yeah, he has <laughs> everything's asymmetrical with this creature. Like, there's one giant eye, one little eye, you know, it's like claw. Everything is very, and it's also very gloopy. Mm-hmm. That's my favorite term for this kind of stuff. No, the, the 80s was all about the gloop, man. It's gloopy. <laughs> um, do you have the name of the, um, is it Beekler? John Carl Beekler. Beekler. Yeah, Beekler, who did the effects. Um, monster design. But also somebody that uh, we lost in 2021, Cleve Hall. If you guys might remember him, um, he was did that um, sci-fi show, The Face Off. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, worked on this film as well. Did a lot of stuff at the 80s. Um, he died in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty young, Sad. but he he gives some interviews, and he's really one of those. Like he never got the the name recognition mm-hmm. as like can be effects and like Nicotero and Kurtzman and all those people. But he was right there. Like he worked on all of these teams. He was very influential, you know, had a great eye for eighties horror and kind of knew what he was doing. He worked on this film as well. That's awesome. Cool. Um, and you, you know, Beekler's work too. You've seen it. I mean, he worked on a reanimator. He, uh, it's probably best known for directing Friday part seven. Oh. Yeah. Which one is that one? Uh, new blood. Okay. The psychic one. Yeah, okay. The one that Dustin doesn't like at all, but I kind of champion a little bit. <laughs> we don't need other Friday the 13th. I love Jason's makeup. I love his look in that one. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so they actually built this thing um, in the States, in, in Buchler's. It over? Yeah, they flew oh. it over, because normally it takes like six weeks to get these things shipped properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, like, they send them by boat or whatever because it's the most economical. And they fucking overnighted this thing to Rome, <laughs> which I think is fantastic. They pull it off the truck. It's like, what the fuck the, the, is this? It's probably the one, the most expensive one item in the entire production. Sure, but if that doesn't work, <laughs> nothing works. Right. Yeah. You know, like, if, if it that... It looks so good. It's nice and practical. It's there in your face. I would say that maybe some younger listeners would disagree and say it doesn't look good. But this is... Well, it's, Just, also, it's supposed to look a little a little chintzy. Even at yeah. the time, it was supposed to look this a little This is chintzy. classic 80s practical latex foam. I mean, I'll take this over any low-budget CG monster. I will, too. Because it's week. there, and you can see it and feel it. And, and it has the thing actually people. has emotion. Mm-hmm. In just the little range of movement that it has, you sense emotion in it, and like what's done with it, it feels like a character. It's not like I love some of the times when it gets like happy almost, and its eyes start to kind of roll and spin. Yeah, yeah. He's also voiced by fucking Megatron himself, Frank Wilker, which Ooh, is awesome. Really? Yeah, I didn't know that. That's mm-hmm. pretty great. <laughs> yeah, there's still. There, I was afraid there weren't going to be enough. There wasn't going to be enough stuff about this movie that we could like give some. Oh, there's fun, tons of stuff. Yeah. Fun background because yeah. this movie got shit on pretty heavily um so yeah as it manifests uh the first victim it takes unfortunately is grandpa yep wasn't um, it getting norton first the like satellite that's guy? right yeah, oh he, yeah he came back to work on it mm, yeah he got him but i think that was more or less off screen yeah, it, yeah there wasn't any there the, we didn't really see it happen we see him glupify grandpa like he just all gets digested and just falls in this big puddle <laughs> of spew and it's yeah. great yeah um, 
But then he goes back into the TV. The monster does. It like took its victim. And Sherman comes out and he's like, oh, Grandpa, where's Grandpa? So now Sherman goes into mode of like, I need to find Grandpa. Well, now um, Swinger parents show back up to the house. And they've got a couple along with them. Spiro <laughs> and Cherry. Yes. Cherry is... Um, God, the accent she did in this is just fantastic. Played by Randy Brooks. It's kind of your typical 80s bimbo type character. She did the, yeah. the you know, like, oh my God, look at that pool <laughs> yeah. kind yeah. of a thing. Uh, she's They essentially said she had also had the assets for the part because um, she eventually does get down into a bikini to jump into their pool in mm-hmm. their pleasure dome. Um <laughs> But also, they said just because she, when she came in in red, she just did that accent. Like, they didn't even ask her to. She just did it. And they were like, perfect, well, yeah. yep, you're in. <laughs> like you've... And Spiro was Greek, right? Uh, yeah. 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 Played by Alejandro Ray. <laughs> Kiko's for it. He's swinging for the fences. It's so good. Swinging for the fences. <laughs> uh, but, dude, just over the top. Like, um, very interested and, like, very charismatic. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to make a margarita. It's a famous family recipe for yeah. margarita. And it shows him making the margarita. It's just booze. Yeah. <laughs> There's yeah. nothing else so in it. Booze. It's just straight liquor. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they come home. Sherman tries to warn them about the monster. <laughs> right. And this is where we get into the thing about, like, I'll make you take your pill. Yeah. You keep acting crazy. Yeah. And even Cherry's like, should we go? And she's like, no, it's fine. I'll give him his pills. She we'll drags this kid. Like, she literally drags him through the house. Pushes him in the bunker. Grandpa's bunker. Which that's where the monster oh, kind of yeah. messes with them because it right. has like the decapitated head of Grandpa and it like mimics his voice. Yeah, because she's getting on down there for Grandpa. He's like, "Just taking care of business. I'm just taking care of business." <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah, that part creeped me out a little bit. Like Grandpa's down there just like jerking it in his little uh, <laughs> his little bunker room. And, like, just let me finish up. <laughs> I'll be done in a minute. <laughs> yeah, Medusa so got to me. <laughs> well, uh, can't uh, there. Yeah, but. Uh, once she finds, she literally does throw him into locks him in, locks, locks him in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this poor kid. So you kind of see the family dynamic, and that definitely the problems, the mental problems that Sherman has, that the family the claims are, he has. The, the parents are too busy partying; they're ignoring their children. They're over medicating them. They're locking them up in bunkers with perhaps dangerously unstable grandpas. Well, this is a current thing that having the TV to be the babysitter. Mm-hmm. This is, and we'd say like the eighties, but this is now like, yeah. I mean, the amount of parents who go to doctors and say like, my kid's got ADHD and they're like, no, they don't. You're just not disciplining. Them. Yeah. <laughs> like you're just not being a parent. <laughs> so they were like, well, let's just give them something and then give they'll settle iPad down. And they'll just sit down and leave me alone for a while. Yeah. So this was like basically the same thing yeah. that's happening here. Only they just locked him in a bunker. Um, <laughs> Right. He didn't have rations and, and stuff. Uh, maybe there, parents so. don't swing as much as they used to these days. I'm not sure. If <laughs> I don't it's know. Still... It's not really the crowd I run in, so I don't really. <laughs> it's yeah. not? Oh, okay. It also, we should note, wasn't the crowd that his parents ran in either because they were uh, had to look at classifieds. Yes. Um, to find. Well, this is before the internet. You know, that's how you the... had to do it back then. Well, I was thinking more like word of mouth might be like. You know, you'd be like, "Well, I know some swingers," and instead they're like looking well, up classified. Sure, but you got to find the swingers first. Okay, so I guess yeah, they they apparently hadn't had great luck, <laughs> right? Finding swingers, so now they have. They Spiro. think they hit the jackpot this time, yeah, because Stan and Cherry pair off, and Spiro and uh, 
What's Mary Warren? Raquel. Name? Raquel. Which I love how he, I can't do it, but I love how he rolls the R. Raquel. Yeah. Raquel. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. But the whole time, um, while they're pairing off, though, Spiro can only talk about Stanley. You talked about what a manly man. He's such a manly yes. man. Is Stanley a manly man? <laughs> <laughs> and I, we cannot underscore how much he's going for it in this role. It's great. Of just like every time the camera's on him, he's just like eating the scenery mm-hmm. as much as he can. Um, so we. Fi- there's a little bit of gay panic here, but it's not that bad. No. That, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, because obviously, yeah, Spiro's asking if Stanley's into the dudes. But he just straight tells him, he's like, I'm Greek. Yeah, right, I follow right. the Greek ways. And, like, and I'm Stan, Greek. when he finds out, Stan's like, oh, we got to straighten Spiro out. But he's not like really pissed about it. Or he makes like one off-handed comment that's kind of like, Ooh. yeah, that's true. That it, one, it was the 80s. Yeah, yeah, that one, that one doesn't age well. Um, but I do like the early setup though, when they're first coming in and he's kind of like showing them around the house. And um, Spiro asks, like, oh, this architecture, the way it is, it's Greek, right? And then he goes, no, it's Roman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's almost like that. they set up that divide between them before you get to, like, the actual what's going on there. Sure. And I guess where I'm looking this, looking at it through um, a, a modern lens, Stanley was totally flirting with Spiro, too. Yeah. Like, no, he it, was really yeah. just laying it on thick. So then when he finds out that, like, Spiro's interested in him and he gets all offended, <laughs> I'm like, well, what are you thinking, dude? Like, yeah, look at the signals you were throwing yeah. out. Um, but I think he's just that boneheaded that he sure he's can't just, even he's just all about getting. Yeah. But when he thinks he's going to get get lucky with with Cherry, though, he goes and gets in this speedo thing <laughs> and is like freshening himself up, and it's just ham upon ham upon cheese yeah. <laughs> in in this scene. It's fantastic. It's great. All the while, the monster is doing its thing, messing it with cherry. Sherman. Yeah, it does get cherry. Um, because it, they have a TV in where the pool is. Of course, of course they, do. they do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the pool is rigged with all of the latest technology. Yeah. Yeah. And like with this panel, Stanley can make bubbles appear, uh, like a lights. steam, lights, mm-hmm. control all the music and everything. Uh, I mean, it's a pretty bitchin' pool. <laughs> I could probably do without all of like the bondage. So um, you want a swinger pad without being a swinger? Is what that'd be nice. Yeah. yeah. Okay. I think that'd be okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <okay>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And Sherman, in the meantime, he tries calling the cops. I think he's a crank caller. Yeah, because yeah. he's talking about monsters. God, man, it's, the kid's a noob. He doesn't know what to do. Yeah. He don't mention <laughs> monsters, even if there is a monster. Well, so when the cops don't listen to him, he calls Medusa. Because Medusa is on TV saying she wants to hear all of your kinky things that hey, you want to tell her. Hey, call a horror host. It works on Fright Night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what year was Fright Night? About the same time. Uh, 87, yeah. maybe. Maybe it was made a year later. Interesting. Yeah. And I love how she sets it up with this like joke story about how she has a man over and he looks at her and gets turned into stone. And then she's like, that's why I like collars better. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, I loved the... I'm a super nerd for horror hosts, though. Mm-hmm. So, like, and the little clips they show of her actual program are great because what they had like the giant claw, yeah, giant claw. A few Earth versus ones. the flying saucers was one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robot monster. <laughs> so Ooh, Friday night was '85. Ah, oh, interesting. So I wonder yeah. if that was. I mean, this Could seems like the script course. was probably written in you know like a day. <laughs> so I'm sure it was a couple of weeks. <laughs> You're being generous. <laughs> Surely a bit of inspiration. Uh, yeah, so, but again, she's our connection to, she's the one who should believe him, right? You know, she's the horror host, even though he doesn't realize that she's playing a part. Yeah. 
But he's the ho- she's the horror host, so of course she'd believe Sherman. She even asked something about like what kind of medication he's on or something. Yeah, yeah. So um, Sherman doesn't get any help. No. Um, until uh, his sister and OD. Yep. Well, um, yeah. Before this, though, doesn't uh, everyone gets it? Who's in the house except for Sherman? Yeah, the monster gets them all. The the monster tricks Spiro by pretending to be Cherry in the pool. Right. When it's all foggy because they use dry ice, and apparently it was like freezing in the pool when they did this. <laughs> Uh, and then, yeah, then um, Raquel and Stan come in, and the pool's full of this gloppy, horrible grossness. That's where we yes. get the really unfortunate... Like, what did they do? That's where we get the unfortunate <laughs> comment that does not age well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah. But it's still a funny scene. Sure. You know, like... And what it is, is Sherman actually decides if no one else is going to help, he has to do it himself. Because he gets to the C4 and, like, blows open the door. Right. And that's right when Susie and OD come home. Yes, yes. So the parents are dead. No one's there. There's just a gloppy mess left. There's not, like, real bodies. And so we don't really see there. Those kills are mostly done. We see a little bit of it. But not When he's killing Stan, there's a little bit of bleh coming out. Yeah, but, but like... Not like Grandpa or or later on. Yeah. Yeah, those are mostly kind of an off-screen type thing. And you do get a little bit of gloop with with Stanley and everything. So basically with those characters gone now for the film, it's left to O.D., Susie... And Sherman. And you kind of get the same shtick. They don't really believe him. Why would they? When they go to check on mom and dad and they come into the bedroom. <laughs> That's one of the best scenes. <laughs> it's one ever. of the best scenes in the film easily. They're all four laying in the bed. Um, gloopy. Mm-hmm. Covered in, in gloop. Um, which And just their heads are popping up under the covers. <laughs> and they say they're fine. And then the best is when they say, well, where's grandpa? <laughs> and then grandpa pops up right in the middle of them. Right between Stanley and Raquel. <laughs> So she's like, oh, gross, Grandpa. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's it's great. Uh, it's fantastic. Um, but now the movie kind of shifts because they... It goes in... This is the one criticism I might have of this film is in this little section, it goes in a weird direction. It does. Um, they The monster is getting ready to eat O.D. Mm-hmm. Um, and O.D. falls back and throws his arms up. Yeah. And the monster sees all of O.D.'s... Um, battle gear like his metal battle gear his spiked and stud gauntlets and the monster remembers uh pluthar um on his home planet like caring for him and petting on him and he wears these studded yeah some more like gauntlet type leather gauntlets Uh and so he thinks that he's a he's a friend yeah Mm. he says the monster saw my studs and chilled out he must be in the metal (laughs) (laughs) monster probably wasn't a metal yeah uh so they now pull go full on et which they even reference and our, <laughs> that movie that made you cry like a butthole. <laughs> <laughs> Od re- constantly refers to everyone as a butthole, yeah, yeah. Uh, which I think needs to come back. I think so, we need to start. It's great, going, like, you know, because it's not overly offensive, but it's like offensive enough. Yeah, like I feel like now we just jump straight to being like, "What an asshole" or something yeah. like, and everybody's offended. But now if we were like, "You're a butthole," right? <laughs> you're not that offended about it, right? No, you're no. kind of puzzled and yeah. offended at the same time. Okay, I'm confused. How I Live My Life. Um, so now they go full on E.T. and they're actually trying to teach it. Mm-hmm. They start trying to teach it how to talk. Showing it how names. to eat, showing it food. Uh, which they, is the most important thing. Well, Music. B- barely beyond TV. You know? yeah. Food's just marginally more important than TV. Which, it, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they got the priorities straight. And then, yeah, music too. Uh, Susie shows him music. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like playing classical at, at one point. And Odie's like, don't ever listen to that trash. It'll rot your brain. <laughs> And so he puts in his own his own tape his that he's tape, recorded, yeah. his yeah. demo, 
and full on emotes out his metal his metal vibe of like you know rocking out to his own music um interestingly apparently the um the sound system that they were using is uh super sought out now <laughs> oh, like wow. it's a vintage piece that supposedly I was scanning it, yeah. it was uh, sanyo's first cd player model the dad eight or dad eight Nice. And apparently a lot of people are after it because it's like a great piece of equipment. It was only made between 83 and 84, and it's considered one of the rarest and with the best quality. The vintage is the way to go, so yeah, I I could totally see that. (laughs) Fucking hipster. I'm sorry, I'm not a hipster. I'm not a hipster. You were listening to it before it was cool, weren't you? I was listening to it when it's all that there was. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't have anything else. I remember when CDs came out, all right? Yeah, but like the film really slows down at this part. It does. It kind of gets a lull to me. And the only big development is that they decide they're going to try to make some money off of having this monster to show it off to the world. In typical, I mean, it's still following its um, satire. You mm-hmm. know, like the first thing they think of to do, let's just get rich off of it. Yeah, they're, they're punks and, and metalheads, but they, they're still capitalists. They're still Americans. <laughs> well, doing yeah, it, so. yeah. Um, so they try to call Medusa to get her involved, and she doesn't want anything to do with it. And so they try to tempt her with this thing of like, oh, we're having a party. You yeah. should just come on over. Yeah. So th- and the cop really, shows up. Yeah. Who uh, <laughs> was in Reanimator, I think. Yeah, I think it had a bit part in Reanimator. Yeah. He claimed, he was like, I guess they wanted me because they saw me in Reanimator. <laughs> it's like, I think you just showed up, dude, and read for the part, and you fit the bill. So, uh, But the cop does get, get his hand eaten off. Yeah. It's a good scene. Yeah. Good classic makeup effects, you know, gloopy, fun. I think based on our um, our interactions right now, it does show that the movie does lull right here. Yeah, it, I really it does. So. It, there's there's a couple of slow parts, and that's something that really keeps this from becoming a classic. And that's really though, to me, like the only glaring problems with it. Yeah, I think they were trying just to give this. I don't know. They were trying to give it a little more depth, mm-hmm. and when it didn't need it, it's called padding, Michael. For <laughs> a story, I mean, it yeah. really does because like they off uh, the parents so quick. It could have been 80 minutes, and that would have been fine. Mm-hmm. You know, if it was a 10 minutes shorter. Mm. But we do get, I think we do get decent development between Sherman and Susie, though. Mm-hmm. You kind of see a little bit more of how protective she is of him and, you know, how she's aware that her parents are kind of non-parents. Yeah. And so she takes it upon herself to kind of take care of Sherman. Um, but, yeah, from here they decide, um, they find out, though, through Pluthar. Yeah, he shows up. Yeah, Pluthar beams himself through. Well, didn't the most terrible thing happen before this? When OD dies? Does he die before? So he, he dies before Pluthar. Yeah, he does. Yeah. he does. Okay. He calls the monster, monster a butthole and then gets <laughs> his face sucked off. So you don't call that monster a butthole. Yeah. But we find out through Pluthar, though, the reason that those have to be exterminated is because they go into a hunger rage. Yeah, they start to mutate. And basically... They can't stop eating. Yeah, they just eat everything around. But we also learned that on their planet, and before that, they're treated basically like a dog or just a normal yeah, pet. They're a pet have. Yeah. Um, so when Pluthar shows up, he's like, "Oh my god, what have you done? You know, this is we we have to stop it in some way." And so we kind of move to our finale. They set up this hilarious, like it, maybe happy ending where it's like, "Oh, our parents are dead," and he's like, "Oh, we can take their genetic material, <laughs> right? And fix we can them. clone them, basically." And then they're yeah. like, "You mean it's going to be clones?" And he's like, "No, they'll be real. They'll just have to live in these little like isolation tanks." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
And, and in the meantime, Medusa has arrived. Yes, she's and, and, she's blitzed. Yeah, and has but, decided but, to just come. She's party hopping. Though. She's encouraged though because there's a cop car there, mm-hmm. and she thinks, "Oh, maybe this is a great party." And she comes in and she sees the alien talking to the kids, and he, <laughs> the alien has his laser rifle or whatever it is, and the kids are putting down their weapons because he's convinced them, "Hey, I'll go take care of the monster. We'll we'll sort regenerate your parents." But she thinks that he's the monster. <laughs> <laughs> so she comes up and bashes him in his little space helmet. I love that she's still wearing her Medusa. Yeah. Oh yeah, too. right. It's well, so, you know. so great. But then Pluthar's head fucking explodes. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> it's great. And they're like, "What did you do?" She's like, "I saved you." Oh yeah. So this is kind of where the film wraps itself up. Yep. Um, and by wrapping itself up, it does something kind of different. Mm-hmm. You know, that wasn't fully expected, especially for a funny movie. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't remember. Does Sherman get away? No, no, they, they no one die. gets away. I thought, okay, I thought they the all The monster shows up and eats them all. I thought everybody yeah. got eaten. Yeah, they all die. At the very end, you see Medusa come out to her car, and she's telling her driver, who's been asleep the whole time, I guess. Yeah. You know, back to the studio, I think is what she says. But, oh, she's like half monster. Yeah. she's, uh, And I think I even made the comment through, while we were watching this, of how much Slither... Oh yeah, reminds yeah. me of this movie. Like how many instances there are. Like Grant Grant when he turns into the giant mm-hmm. slug monster thing. He's <laughs> he looks so yeah. much like. I bet James Gunn didn't see this one either. <laughs> and you know it's funny because like Blood Diner, the monster kind of gets away in the end. Yeah, continue. Yeah, that's true. We we accidentally there's also wrestling in this movie. Oh yeah, there's yeah, a little yeah. bit of wrestling. Um, there's a little bit of wrestling on TV, so we we actually tied them together. This would be a good double feature back to back. Oh, definitely. I would say that for sure. And then if you go just go ahead and finish it with Video Dead because mm. you've already got it on the disc when you pick this one up. Yeah, watch Video Dead. It's fun. It's not great, but it's fun. Um, then we fade out basically to the uh, Fibonacci doing the uh... <laughs> the awesome theme song. <laughs> oh god, damn it. It's a fun movie. It's just a fun movie. The bad thing is, is I didn't have to out myself mm-hmm. on the podcast of did. saying that I called it Fibonacci. You own it. But yeah, sometimes I just say stupid shit because I'm not the brightest person in the room. Everybody makes mistakes. Uh, and I make a lot of them. It's, um, good. it's good to just own it and live with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fibonacci. Check them out. <laughs> <laughs> Actually... Even the soundtracks would pair great, like the oh, yeah. from Blood Diner. The weird band in that one. What was? It? Do you remember their name? I don't recall. It's already voided from my mind. Uh, yeah. Well, if you go back and listen to our the yeah, white Diner the white episode. trash review is the album. I know that. If you missed the previous installment it, of genre exposure, is it Dino Lee? I think. I think I it's something like that. No, I just remember it was a Cramps wannabe guy. So <laughs> that's all I remember. <laughs> so this is a movie with a zero percent rating. On Rotten Tomatoes. That is a crime. That is what a crime. do we think of it? Do I want to go first? Yes, you do. I'll go first. It's my movie, so you know what I thought of it. Uh, yeah, I love this movie. I unabashedly love this movie. It's one, I, I guess I'm I'm part of the guilty party. Because I remember seeing this on VHS back in the day, and I just never picked it up. I don't know why. I watched the worst junk back in the day. <laughs> I don't know why I avoided this one. But then I finally watched it, like when it came out on DVD or Blu-ray. Yeah, and I I wish I had seen it back in the day. But If you've lived through the video store days, chances are this was on the shelf at some point. collecting dust somewhere. Um, I think part of the problem, I think, was that there was such a plethora of choices back then. There was so much stuff. Even I couldn't get through it all. 
Um, only because the movie lulls here and there. It's the only reason why it's not five stars for me. But I give it four and a half stars. Ah, there you go. Woo. There you go. Yeah, it's 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 such a funny, great movie. It's got such great camp, such great actors. It's if you don't enjoy this movie, we can't be friends. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> whoa! Like How about you, Dustin? What do you think, man? Uh, I love this film. I saw it originally in high school, but I hadn't revisited it till we watched it for the podcast. So I kind of wondered. My memory had gotten a little shaky. I wondered if it would hold up as much as I loved it. But yes, I loved it. It was great. I remember the first time I came across it, I was on the full moon kick and I saw, you know, Ted Nicolau, mm-hmm. Charles Band, and I was like, oh, automatic, I'm watching this. Sure. And I love it. It's so funny. It's so much fun. There's so much great little practical effects with the monster. Uh, it does lull. That is my only gripe with it. So, honestly, four and a half stars for me, too. All right. The last time I saw this movie, I was ripped. Um, and I think it was when Jason got the Blu-ray, because <laughs> we were roommates at the time. I'm sure it plays well for that, too. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I, I, remember, I, I remember loving it when I saw it, but I didn't remember a whole lot about it. Mm-hmm. And it's because I was I was just completely drunk when we were watching it. And But as I, we were watching, I was like, is this the movie with the bunker? Yeah, this is that <laughs> one. Um, so... This is one of the instances where I felt like it was hard for me to pick this movie because we'd all seen it, but it it had been so long. I was glad to go back at it again. I'm happy to watch it anytime. But I'm also like, I want more people to see this movie mm. because I think this the the sheer lack of reviews of it on Rotten mm. Tomatoes and IMDb tell me that not really a whole lot of people have seen this, <laughs> or the people that have seen it are ruining it for everybody else because right. they the reviews I don't think are fair. No, and and with this recent nostalgia we've had for the '80s, this is a great movie to watch for those people because this is what you want, right? I think a lot of people would see this now and be like, "Oh, they're just they're making fun of the '80s. It's some sort of retro pastiche." No, this was the <laughs> '80s. Yes, yeah. this was made in the mid '80s, and especially when to me, I love art that's aware of itself. Yeah, mm. I don't like stuff that's stuck up its own butt, its own buttholes. <laughs> it's <a> butthole. <laughs> uh, and and it's not afraid to just goof. Yeah. You know, just to go full on, I want to make something stupid and funny. And I feel like even in modern cinema, we don't get that much mm-hmm. anymore. You know, like, I was never a fan of the scary movie or the all the, the spoofs. Of- Those are too, like, there's something about the way they are. They're really forcing and trying to make the jokes. Yeah. And it never feels natural to me. And so this is more of my type of comedy, where I like the comedy that's really smart, and then I like the comedy that's just stupid. Mm -hmm. And this is so, like, cartoony slapstick. Like, if you love Looney Tunes or anything like that, it's that same sort of humor almost. But I'm completely with you guys. I think that lull in it does take it down to where I don't... It's not one that I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the best party movie ever, because there is that lull. But it's not a bad lull. It's just well, if you're if you're watching it in a party atmosphere, by that time you're going to be pretty drunk anyway. Yeah, and not true. paying attention that much anymore. That's so true. It's that's fine. True. It's fine. Uh, so I'll go four and a half. Nice. I think I'll go oh wow, consensus. We're all in sync. It's just so much fun. Yeah. It, this is just if you love, it, and I kind of feel like our listeners have probably seen this. I'm I sure mean, all of them have. But if you haven't. Good God, go watch this. Mm-hmm. You can pick up the Blu-ray from uh, Shout Factory mm-hmm. for, what is it, like 15 bucks? Thanks, and 15 bucks. Right. and uh, you get a really great double feature, so you kind of can't yeah. pass on which that. I love all those double feature discs. Yeah, they're they great. Yep. 
because um, there's not as much extra content like Shout Factory put together a really fun little 30 minute documentary with some interviews, you know, about video uh, mm. about um, terrorism. Actually, that's on YouTube too. Is actually, it actually the whole movie's on YouTube right now? So well, and that's what we were going to say is that it's also if you don't want to pick up the Blu-ray, if that's if you're not you know a physical media collector. hound, a collector like like Dustin, <laughs> um, it's a, it's out there. It's easy to watch. Um, yeah, and I'll put the link in the show notes. Okay, cool. Excellent. Yeah, so much fun. I you can watch so much worse than Dear <laughs> Vision. It uh, it respects your time. It really yeah. does. Um, th- I will say I do think this is one that's best watched with some friends. Oh yeah, grab a few friends, mm-hmm. some adult beverages if you do that. Um, just sit down and have fun. Yeah, just laugh, cut up. It's a good time. Yeah, it's great. So we've got two more weeks of Halloween times. We do. And that brings us to Jason's October pick. All right. So we've done a couple of like horror comedies from the 80s. And I want to keep things relatively light. And this is and the whole thing about you know, being in the 80s and, and, and Terrorvision and all that. Because I've, I've talked both about Blood Diner and Terrorvision about seeing the VHS cases mm-hmm. in the stores back in the day. So it made me think of, oh, the good old days of renting VHS. So I've decided to do the, the, the thematically appropriate titled movie, Trick or Treat, from 1986. Oh, shit. Is this the one that has... Um, this is like the metal one, right? It is. Yeah. It has Alice Cooper in it, right? Incorrect. It has um, Gene Simmons. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and a little bit of Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, Ozzy, right. Okay. Not yeah. to be confused with Trick or Treat. Correct. <laughs> the I've much actually, beloved Halloween anthology film. I've never seen this one. Good. I've never really? seen Trick or Treat. No. Oh, have you seen it, Dustin? It's another one of those like high school rental. Same here. Stores. It's been ages yeah. since I've seen this, so I don't know how much I'm actually going to like it. I might wind up hating it, but it seems appropriate. This could go horribly wrong. It could. Let's so tune it. in next time and see how horribly wrong it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wear my Kiss makeup for next time. Oh, nice. No, I won't. Okay. I hate Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> we, we could just lie because it's a podcast. No, I could have lied about the Fibonacci's. <laughs> I didn't. So do you think I'm going to be able to pull off a big grand lie about like kiss makeup? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. <laughs> all right. Well, guys, it has been so much fun talking about this movie. As always, thank you all so much for getting in touch with us um, on any of our social media platforms. It's really, really nice to have you guys talking to us and giving us your thoughts on the episodes on movies that you'd like for us to see. We've actually got a nice list. Yeah, we've been getting some more recommendations, but we want more. We always want more. Yeah, because some of them we have seen, and we're like, yep, yeah, we've we're, all seen that. We're like you. the Hungry Beast. We can't get enough. Yeah, but unlike the Hungry Beast, you can continue to feed us. So, <laughs> <laughs> well said. so uh, continue. Please keep reaching out to us, um, all the social media platforms. Seems like you guys like Insta for the most part. So maybe we'll lean more yeah, that way. Sure. Yeah, that's okay. Um, Well, until next time, you have been listening to Genre Exposure. See you guys later. Bye, everyone. Take care.